For the first time ever, I am thrilled to say we have an official sponsor for the Dirk Talk podcast, and that's Ariat. I've worn Ariat boots on every job site I've visited over the years, traveling in them across five continents. More importantly, I have yet to find a single project where working folks, unlike me, are not wearing Ariat boots and workwear in every condition imaginable. And there's really good reason for that. And that's because it's phenomenal stuff. And the more I've learned about Ariat and the company, the more I've loved their brand. So with this, Ariat is offering any Dirt Talk listener 10% off their next Ariat order at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk. That's 10% off boots, jeans, and workwear at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk or at the link in this episode's description. With that, let's get to the show. It's a cool city. It's a good place I mean, to be. it's one of those things. I'm I'm going to be an Iowa boy forever. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um but it's just human nature to always want to kind of move in a way, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the hell it is. I don't know either. I don't know what the desire to move away is. And then it seems like like I'll come back to Arizona and it's so since you grew up somewhere or at least if you grew up in one place mm-hmm. your whole childhood, mm-hmm. you're just like wired by this one physical location. So you come back and you're like, oh, this actually, this feels kind of nice and cozy. It does. I like it. Well, and that's the frustrating part though, in a way too, in my opinion, because it's like you want to move away, but then you go visit these places and then you get back home and it's like, it's home and cozy. You're yes. Like, Man, I want to move still, but it's nice. It's yeah. Comfortable. It's comfortable is what it is. Well, that's why I moved away from Arizona was because it was comfortable, mm-hmm. which doesn't make a lot of sense at face value, but sure. it was just like, it was too cush and cozy and familiar and I couldn't really visualize myself there long term. Like sure. I couldn't visual- visualize, I, I don't have kids. I'm, I, I don't, I, I'm not even dating anybody. So How I'm, old are you? 27. Are you? Okay, yeah. so we're we're same age basically. Ways away from from you're you're further down the path than I am since you just had your bachelor party, but yeah. Um not a consideration whatsoever, but I couldn't visualize raising my children in Phoenix, Arizona. Sure. And I just can't explain it. Mm-hmm. Uh so that's why I had to leave. But then okay. I come back to Phoenix, I'm like, "Oh, I really like it here. This is super nice." Mm-hmm. I get why people live here because it's 70 degrees and sunny for five solid months out of the year, which is just you can't beat it. No. Would you have uh, Build Wit Part 2 down there? Potentially. Yeah. We've thought about that. Have yeah. you? Yeah. Maybe cool. a little satellite office or something? Yeah. Because we, I mean, we span across the country now, so it would probably make sense to have a few spots around the United States, Yeah, but we'll see. I have put the cart before the horse quite a few times this year, sure. and I'm trying to leave the horse in, sure. front of the, in front of the cart for right now. How long have you guys been... Going now at BuildWit. Four years. Four years? Mm-hmm. Over. So, so yeah. where'd you guys get started if you're just Nashville two years? Phoenix. You did, Okay, so you got started back, yeah. back near or something. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Okay. But the whole time I was in Phoenix, I, I moved back to Phoenix. I start dating this girl like that. Like mm-hmm. second day moving back to Phoenix. Sure. <laughs> which, was, which was awesome. You're like, hell yeah, this is going to be great. Just quit my job, starting a company, just start dating yep. this girl. Like yep. life could not be better. Yep. And uh, the thing uh, I just... 
but I always had this this weird deep down feeling like you got to get out of here. You got to mm-hmm. go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You got to get away. So then I spent two years traveling the United States doing what I was doing with that in the back of my mind. Sure. Going to all these cities. So like, could I leave, live in Nashville? Could I live in Charlotte? Could I live in Austin? Could sure. I live in Cleveland? Nah, yeah. I can cross Cleveland off the list pretty quick. I could kind of see where I'm at Bruce Builders kind of following that direction because where we're located it is a very um there's multiple cities within the area they call it the quad cities it's right on east so it's there's two cities in illinois and then two cities in davenport or not davenport iowa so davenport bent north um i think it's east moline and rock island are the major cities there Mm -hmm. and so there's only so much market share that we can get within that area i mean just like any market in general but I could see us hitting a point where we would have to expand into other markets for sure. It's a... If we want to grow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of have to answer the question, do you want to grow? Yes. Because there's a whole other set of challenges to going outside of your geographic region. For sure. Well, I mean... It a different company. Well, as a general contractor too, I mean, we get so many subcontractors that they don't help you. But they're going to be, they're going to put a little bit more money on top of an out of town contractor as opposed to somebody like us mm-hmm. that has the connections. They know exactly who we are, you know, some of their family members and friends and things of that nature. And it's like, I'm going to want to work with that person as opposed to somebody I've never worked with out of town that yeah. might just beat me up as a general contractor and stuff. And so, yeah, um, getting into those new markets is hard to develop those relationships, but it's just part of it though. If you do get into it. It so. is part of it. Yeah. I, I, and, and it's like, if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. Yeah. I mean, that's where we're at is let's just send it because <laughs> that's the only way we're going to do what, what we want to do. For sure. We have to send it. We have no choice. Yep. Um, there's a lot of people, though, that that send it that you just like, uh, do you really want to do that? Because mm-hmm. you seem super stressed and you seem not to like it at all. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, so give some background. What do you do in Iowa? So I work for a general contractor mm-hmm. on the commercial side of construction. So we do all things from, um, since we're, we're a startup company, we've just been in business for a year and a half, started January, 2021. So height of the pandemic. Yeah. So, which is awesome though. I mean, if you know, you can get through those types of situations, I mean, you're going to be fine, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so, um, my boss, so I, I worked with him at our previous company, actually, he was the project manager. Um, and on the last project, him and I were on together. So I, I'm project engineer, um, at the time I I'm assistant project manager right now is my, my job title. So he was, I, I could tell he was doing something in the background, um, while we were working on this last project. And so mm. I sat him down at a bar forcefully. <laughs> I was like, whatever you're doing, man, I want to be part of it. I want to, cause I, I'm, I'm a big risk guy. I mean, I love all things like adrenaline sports and things of that nature. I'm a big snowboarder, yeah. rock climber. Um, I try to try party in Nashville. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so any of that type of stuff, um, I, I like, I like risk. I'm not adverse to it. So, um, I knew he was doing something along those lines with like, sign me up, please. I want to, I want to help. How did you know? What does knowing mean? I don't know. I, I could tell he was kind of frustrated with the company we were at. Um, from a leadership standpoint, I, I could see it too. Um, and I, I'm a big follower of like Jocko and yeah. things of that nature. So he always says there's no such t- thing as uh, no bad teams, only bad leaders. So sure. yeah. um, I totally, 
could see what was going on and understood. So I knew he was really frustrated just from little side comments and things of that nature. And then um, he he just kind of dropped some hints here and there that something was going on behind the scenes where I was like, I got to figure out if he is up to something. And mm. yeah, I found out he was for sure. So, and then he sat me down, he called me over to a, a buddy's house that's uh, involved now as a superintendent. Um, and they sat me down and were like, he'll be here eventually, the superintendent, but you and um, his name's Bill have to estimate and win work because we're, we're just in the hard bid, bid sector right now. Um, it's a nature of growing as a general contractor, in my opinion. I mean, yeah. you got you to gotta start in that kind of sector unless you already have a private job lined up, you know, which we did not. So we had to win work in low bid and stuff. So before well, we could hi- hire anybody else to run the job. So no matter what kind of contractor you are, um, you you have to build uh, a reputation. Yep. You have to build relationships. You do that through doing work. 100%. So the only way you get that work without reputation, a reputation and, and the relationships, it's low bid. Yep. But which is awesome because assuming you can do a good job at those projects, you can go out and compete for work without yep. the long list, the long resume. Go mm-hmm. start building that resume with nothing yep. and then you're off to the races. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how young is he? So he is, I want to say 35. 35? Yeah. So we're both pretty young. So you were, you guys were at a general contractor before this. Correct. Yep. So he's, so he, he's got his background. Um, he came from, um, Iowa State University. So he's got a degree in construction engineering. So he was kind of more on the engineering side of things. Mm -hmm. Um, but then he worked for White's company as a project engineer. And then um, transitioned into a project management role at our previous company. Yeah. So that's how he got started. He was an intern for Whites as well. So he, he was working on $100 million jobs and stuff. So he was on sizable commercial type of jobs. So he got to see that world. And then he switched over to this smaller um, general contractor in the Quad City area that, let's say, was doing... 50-ish million um, worth of revenue. So he took a big switch from Mm -hmm. the huge type of general contractor to kind of the smaller level where he's got maybe a little bit more responsibility um, overall from he could be doing superintendent work. And I I actually think he he did like the superintendent project management um, model for his first job and it was like a $10 million job. So it's a, a completely different vibe. Working for a big company versus a small company yep. on GCs or civil, yep. like the building next door, monster, monster project. Mm-hmm. You could be the guy counting light bulbs. Sure. On a, on a massive job like that. For it's, sure. it's, you, you do get sometimes put into a box, which is good because it's good mm-hmm. to learn how a big company does things. But then you go to a small company, you're not just doing light bulbs. You're doing everything there is to do on the job yeah. because they only have so many people. And yeah. Like, here, here you go. Well, and I'm, I'm seeing that at a startup. You know, oh, then that's the whole other extreme. Yes, is I mean, him and it was him and myself bidding these ten million dollar jobs, um, and and just getting after it between him and I, and um, it was awesome. I mean, it's been been a good ride of wearing multiple hats from the project management side, superintendent side, marketing. I mean, um, I'm helping put proposals together and stuff for um interviews and things of that nature for projects now. Um. And it's, it's, you can't complain when you're, when you're getting that much exposure from an experience standpoint. Was it much of a decision? How did you make the decision to leave 
it's you're at a solid company, mm-hmm. probably making pretty good money. Yeah, it was fine. Uh, and then this guy's like, I'm going to go start a company. I have nothing. I have no projects, nothing. You need to help me do it all. Yep. Could you come over and do this? It's, it is a little crazy. Yeah. It, it, again, I was ready for, for some, some risk. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's perfect age, you know? Yeah. At the time I was, I think 25. So, I mean, it, it made sense. No, 24. So it, it definitely made sense for me to, to do it. Um, how often are you going to get an opportunity to go work at a startup? And I, I don't mean this arrogantly, but really anybody can go work for a whites. They're always constantly looking for people. You go yeah. work at um, an, another mid-sized GC and stuff. And you've got the the background and stuff for a person that they're looking for. It's like, well, how often are you going to get the opportunity to go work for a startup general contractor? It does. Yeah, it seems riskier than it really is. Because for sure, for sure, all I mean, blows up tomorrow. In theory, like yes, this my company could blow up tomorrow. Any yes. company could. You can go get a job at any general contractor right now. For sure, I pretty mean, quick. Well, and that that kind of goes back to something I want to talk about later. But everybody's hiring. I mean, yeah. And and if you've got the background to show that you're a solid worker, I mean, that's going to be the baseline of everything. You got to be a hard worker. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just. But then you got to provide the results too. So. That's the one thing that bums me out and somewhat frustrates me about a lot of people in their 20s is they 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 just don't take the necessary risks to develop their career properly. They're always they're always just like, "Oh, I don't there's this opportunity, but I just don't know. It's 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 risky or this and that." I'm like, "How old are you?" Like, yeah. 23. I'm like, "What the fuck are we even talking about then? You're 23 years old. Like, yep. go Go give it a shot. And if it doesn't work, okay, great. It didn't work. Then go on to the next. <laughs> well, like, like I, I yeah. get it. If you have a, a, a fam, like young family, two sets of twins, a mortgage, student loans, like I, I understand that, that part of the world. But if you're 23 with nothing, what the, what are you worried about? See, I'm going to even disagree with that though, Aaron, because I have a mortgage. I have all this stuff, student debt. You know, yeah, and it was still one of those situations where you just gotta say fuck it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, truly, because I mean, again, how often? And one, I've got a bad attitude on some of this though, but like everything could go away, and you could rebuild. I mean, Mm -hmm. truly, I mean, would it suck? Would it be stressful as heck? Yes, but I mean, if you had to claim bankruptcy, you can do it again. Sure. And I again, I kind of got a bad attitude. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's. A good attitude. I have no idea, but I really think you should take those risks, regardless. Because again, how often are you going to get those opportunities? And yeah. it could pay off tenfold if yeah. you take those opportunities. And that's that's the way I'm looking at my current position is hoping that I can help grow this company into a pretty sizable company. It's been going for you said a year and a half. Yep. Um, and you started basically doing everything, trying to win work. Yep. 100%, just finding the jobs to bid that makes sense for us. We basically drew a circle around the Quad Cities within an hour drive, and we're like, that's where we're going. So how do you find jobs to bid? Um, they have to uh, post all those jobs to um, public plan rooms is what they're called. Um, so you have to dig into all of those plan rooms um, to, to figure out what jobs are coming up to bid mm-hmm. um, once you find them. I mean, it's... It, really simple. I mean, truly, you, you download the, the plans and the drawings and specifications and sift through all of that stuff and figure out if it's a good job for you to go after. So it's really not too bad. It's re- pretty simple. Had you, had you ever bid work before? Um, 
not to this extent. I understand the processes or I understood all of the processes. Um, and we've basically created our own system in a way um, and simplified the way we did things at our previous company. Um, and I understood the bidding process, but again, like I said, not to this extent. And it, it's been a great learning experience. And truly the bidding process for those public jobs, I don't think is, is terrible. It's, it's getting the job going and running and performing on the job. That's the, the tough part. Cause it's such a long duration. What, so. what was the first job you guys landed? We landed this really tiny, um, patio project for Scott Community College. Sick. Yeah. So it was a $250,000 patio for a kitchen for the college, for them to get, um, their students that are in the culinary arts experience on like a patio setting. Mm. And so it was like stamped concrete, um, this crazy, uh, canopy structure with these big steel columns and stuff. So that was actually my favorite project we've done just because we won it. And there were like 10 other GCs that went after it. The Usually the smaller jobs are the ones that have so many um, other general contractors that are going to bid it just because the bonding it takes mm -hmm. for those jobs is is not that bad. So yeah. we were able to win that one um, by just a couple thousand dollars or something like that. So um, it, it went really well. And we're actually working for um, the school again on another project right now. And it's like a $3.5 million project. Dang. So yeah, we're we're building that uh, portfolio and stuff, and just trying to just not turn down anything. We just we like to have the attitude of just bid everything yeah. and just keep keep going. So yeah, at that level, you have to be you don't have the luxury of being selective no. when you're starting out. You no. kind of just have to take anything that comes in the door, represent, we, give we, it hell, and then there you go. So we even do wastewater stuff too. Really? Yeah, that's so, pretty complex. Wastewater. There, I mean. It can get complex. It's just pipe and dirt, right? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like a science project. Basically with like these UV systems and stuff to disinfect all of the the crap, basically. Yeah. So, no, you, it's it's not bad. You don't need any kind of, there's no qualifications for that kind of stuff, wastewater? Uh, no, you just got to have, um, from my understanding, I hope I'm not um, saying anything wrong, but yeah. I, I, I don't believe so. Um, I think you just got to um, be able to follow whatever's in the specifications from a prevailing wage standpoint, because mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure all of them are prevailing wage and um, a, a lot of government kind of red tape within it. You got to um, send it out to contractors that are um, have minorities and things of that nature. So Can you explain prevailing wage? Um, prevailing wage, um, usually based on the trades. There is a, I guess, scale that you have to pay um, for those trades. So mm -hmm. like a carpenter, you have to pay a baseline of this much money for that project. And usually in the specifications, it tells you exactly what, uh, what those rates are. So it's just yeah. you have to bid the project with those wages in mind. Which so. is, I mean, for a company like you guys... There is benefit to it because it does put everybody on an even playing field from a labor standpoint. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, talk about, you also said something else about the um, like minority goals. Mm -hmm. How does that work? For, I, I guess, just the contractors and stuff and yeah. sending it out to them. So really, again, I don't want to misspeak here, so don't take it. That's fine. I, miss, <laughs> I, miss, I misspeak on every single podcast we've yeah, ever recorded. I, I, 
hope I don't sound like an idiot, but really it just says you have to reach out to these contractors um, because they might, the, like you were saying with, with the wastewater, they can be a little complex. I was kind of joking when I was like, it's just pipe and dirt. They, they can be complex for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so you send it out to some of these contractors that you, you find a list online um, from a government website just of like, these are all the people who qualify for these types of minority situations, whether it be like a, a female owned business or yeah. something along those lines. So you get that list, you s- just send them a bid invite really. Most of the time they don't even respond or anything because mm-hmm. it, the list is so, um, it, it's so many different people within different industries that it, it's just kind of crossing T's dot and I's when you're sending out the bid invites and stuff. So I think we've had just a few contractors actually bid to us in those situations from the minority groups and stuff. But don't you have to meet a certain goal or do you just have to put it out? It, to it depends to on it depends on the project for sure. Um, we haven't been in any of those situations. Um, so these, the MBE, DBE, correct. there's yep. a bunch of... It's the DBE for the most part. Yeah, I, yeah. Don't, I don't know how many fucking names there are for it nowadays. There, it seems like there's more and more and more, but it's... You basically, you know, you have 100% of your work. You need to award 20% of it or whatever it is to disadvantaged business enterprises, mm-hmm. which is like a minority-owned business, like a woman-owned business. So Correct. a woman owns 51% of the business, and they've gone through an accreditation process to prove that, yes, it's Correct. a legitimate 51%. They are, you know, have the operating interest in the business. They're actively mm-hmm. involved in the business because it used to be... Frank would sell Sally, his wife, 51% of the business, retain 49%. Sally had nothing to do with the business. She worked at the church. Yep. But now Frank could go bid and go get a, you know, get these DBE projects, mm-hmm. which in theory, you're not really having to bid because you can take advantage of the fact that these federal government projects need to award a certain percentage to these businesses. Sure. It's a really weird I don't even know how the hell this process came up. I'm not educated on where it came from. I just see it play out today, and it is so odd. I don't mean to get political, but I think it's one of those situations where it's like, it sounds like a good idea. Yeah. But in theory, is it is it really? It's like you looked at it from just a, a distance, and we're like, this sounds like a good idea. Uh-huh. And it's like, mm, as you dig into it more, Maybe not. Because, I mean, even in that situation, it's like, how many of those contractors are going to be able to perform in those situations, too? Like, it's, and I shouldn't say it like that. How many are going to be able to just bid the jobs? I mean, you're you're picking from such a a small group of people that Mm -hmm. might not even be able to to bid it. Um, Like I said, I mean, we we throw it out to anybody and are just like, we send it out to like thousands of people, I think. Yeah. And nobody responds ever. And so you, you do it, you do your due diligence at very least and you don't get anything back and again in theory it sounds like a good idea you're trying to help these companies and stuff but if you do require a certain amount um it's like are you almost setting up certain companies up for failure um if you give it to them and they aren't able to perform you know well yeah what what i don't like about it is it's there's no regard for quality or anything like that mm-hmm. you're that's kind of what i'm yeah <laughs> you're just yep. you just need to award a certain percentage of dollars yep. to these companies yeah. and it it it's not based on any any kind of no. methodology behind that mm-hmm. typically typically i'm generalizing right now yep but yeah it sounds like this fantastic wow this is a great program sure. and and we're 
We're helping all these small businesses that are disadvantaged and in passing the government money all around and everybody's better off. But the way I see it is more often than not, it's just a system that is taken advantage of. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. Very much so. Anyway, total tangent, but I haven't gotten into that very much. And every time I come across it, I'm just like, that is yeah. the, uh, the, just where the hell did this come from? Because yeah. it's so odd. Yeah. Um, uh, did you, were you able to cook on the patio that you built? No, we didn't get to do anything. That's such no, a bummer. We built you didn't it. even have like a celebratory end they, of the job cookout? No, they told us they were going to and they never did. So <laughs> it's okay though. Bro. I know. We, we tried holding them to it, but it's okay. So you, you bid this job, you get awarded the job. Mm -hmm. Was that exciting or oh, was that absolutely. like, oh shit, now we need to go figure this out. Both. Yeah. Both. I mean, we were, we were hooting hollering, you know, for sure. It was our first, first win at yeah. a company, you know, first job we bid too. For the first like three, I think we, we won all three. Really? So, yeah. Right is that a good thing? I think so. <laughs> we're batting 500 for the first three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. We were yeah. not even 500. We were batting 100%. So, uh -huh. yeah, it was it was good. Um, And then, uh, yeah, so we we were super excited. But then as soon as we did win it, it was like time to figure it out. But we, we knew we put such a good bid together that we were like, we didn't miss anything. Because that's, that's the, that's as a commercial general contractor, that's the thing you're most worried about once you turn the bid in. Because like if you're accidentally like, I don't know, let's say 20% lower than somebody else on the job, it's like, what did I miss? Mm -hmm. you know, immediately you're like, yeah. and you're not necessarily so happy. You're like, what did we miss on that? No, there's, that there's, bid? yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of times where it's like, it's bad that you just won that bid because sometimes you left way too much money on the table. Yes. And now good luck. Like 20, like, and, and that's the thing is you could have come in if you, if you're 20% under number two, you could have come in at uh 0.5% under mm -hmm. and still won it mm -hmm. and had 19.5% more money. Yep. To go potentially build the job, and and the profit margins are not, you know, fat on government work. Not always, no. Not always, not always. Depending, yeah. I mean, in my opinion, depending on the size of the job, yeah, I think you can kind of work the system a little bit and be able to fluctuate um, where you can put some money in things um, of that nature. So it it just just depends on the size. In my opinion, your margins are going to be much smaller on a on a small job if you really want the job. Sure. Um, and you have a lot of competition. Um, it just depends, dude. So you guys go win this when these these projects. How do you find subcontractors? Um, just relationships, knowing the market. I mean, that's what it is. I I grew up there. I was born and raised in the area. So I mean, you you know who you need to reach out to. You uh, from my previous company, I made the connections that I need to. So did Bill. Um, we both had our our connections and stuff and. I mean, you just reach out to them and just say, hey, this project we're bidding, um, they need work too. So mm -hmm. we just say, can you guys get us uh, a bid for this project? They they know the process. Um, so we send them the bid and they get working on it and they get it over to us and stuff. Did you make money on the first few jobs? Yeah. I, I don't know our profit margins off uh, the top of my head or anything like yeah. that. But, but yeah, we, we did. made we money defined. on them. Yeah. Important thing, right? <laughs> that's that's yep. what it's all about. Yep. Especially starting out. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Because yeah. you, you don't want to get started in a hole when you're first starting out. No, my, my Bill, he's a great project manager. He's really good at managing the money and stuff. So, um, What were the lessons learned on the first few projects for you guys? Organization, for sure. Like, just because you're, you're kind of running around like a chicken with its head cut off uh, when you're first starting out, mm -hmm. you know? So, 
you kind of do things maybe rushed or just not understanding you're rushing through some of the processes because you got to we're developing our own processes and while we're bidding and then managing the job mm-hmm. so we didn't necessarily have a project management software either because the way we see things as a as a company right now is is overhead is everything that's what gives us a competitive advantage on all these government jobs right now sure um starting out we got to keep that overhead as low as possible. So we didn't even have project management software to run the jobs. We mm-hmm. were doing everything through email, which is, it works, but man, it, it's it's messy. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah, you start to go beyond a $250,000 project. and Yes, and we did it for, I think it was a $2.5 million project. And again, it was messy. How many folders did you have? It's not the folders. It's it's just, it's, <laughs> I do my email really bad. I don't want to <laughs> say how I do it. Um, but uh it it's it's easy to to miss stuff, you know. That and, is, and it, it happens in any industry. Yeah, I mean, it does. Oh, it, tell me about it. It's everywhere. So, but the the thing with managing a project, no matter what kind of project it is, it really is just communication. Hundred percent. Like that's all you do. Mm-hmm. That's all you do is I mean, just communicate. Yeah, that's what management is. I mean, it's that's it. Literally, just going between your subcontractors, your internal team, and then the owner architect. I mean. You're, yeah. you're just communicating between those groups of people and just trying to get things out of your court and just throwing it in their court and just doing that as much as possible, finding solutions for any problems and stuff. And that's all management it is for sure. I was I was with a group of civil contractors because that's the world I live in. Yeah. And they called GCs wedding planners, which <laughs> I thought were. was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and I've never forgotten that. I was, I was hearing <laughs> you. I was listening to uh, the last podcast you had with a general contractor and it, it sounded like you had a little be- bit of beef with uh, with general contractors. Is that I'm accurate? just an, I'm just annoyed with general contractors. Are you? Yeah. Well, just it's not it's and, and I way over generalized. Sure. Way over generalized. Sure. Yeah. Blanket like, statement. Like Paul. I think who you're talking to, Solomon, nicest guy in the world. Yeah. I fucking love Solomon. Everything, everything they do, just yeah. fantastic. They're a local contractor, right? Yeah, yeah, they're world class, world class. Um, and they're they're one that's like, we want to stay here. We don't want to go sure. become the biggest in the southeast. We don't. That's let's leave that to Turner and yep, all the other big boys. But um, every time I've had a bad experience on site, like. 97% of bad experiences are with a g- general contractor. And it's always just like they come over and treat you like a kindergartner. And then that just immediately builds resentment. Like, bro, yep. I, I understand. But if you would have just talked to me a little bit nicer, this would have been way better. Yep. I, you don't need to treat me like a fucking child because I didn't fill out the the seventh form. I I I agree 100%. Like, I, I totally... that That's my biggest issue with general contractors is forgetting who potentially won you the job is mm-hmm. the subcontractors. Yeah. I mean, those are the guys that are bidding the jobs for you that are helping you be able to perform as a general contractor. You're going to treat them like crap. I, just, I mean, that's what kills me. And then they have the stigma, so again, blanket statements, of tr- kind of beating up the subcontractors. You yeah. Know, to, get, to get the job. Oh, it's yeah. terrible. I, I don't, I mean, and to start a job out like that too, it's like, you're supposed to be on the same team mm-hmm. and you're beating them up from a price standpoint right away. And it's like, dude, come on. Mm-hmm. You know, like they won the job for you. Treat them right. And it, I know it's part of the game sometimes, but it's like, I don't know. Does it have to be? I get it. And yeah, and yeah you, you, that's the question. Does it have to be? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I don't live in that world. Yeah. So I maybe it does with the current system, but yeah. it's, yeah. I So we work with 
most of the time subs to general contractors, earthwork, pipe, yep. Yep. site work contractors. Yep. And yeah, so you hear all the stories about them getting the shit kicked out of them. Yep. And it's very, oftentimes it's adversarial, not For not sure. every time. And the good contractors, the good GCs, and there's yep. a lot of them out there. Yep. It's not. Yep. And then I think when you're in the civil world, it's hard to lose a sense of humility because you're always doing the work yourself. Yeah. Everything is self-performed. Sure. And so you're always, uh, you always have a hand in the actual work happening. Mm-hmm. Whereas in, in, in a general contractor's setting, you don't, you're not the one actually doing the work. Nope. So you have to work. I think you have to work extra hard to maintain that sense of humility and recognize that, hey, all of these people are why I can put food on my table. Yep. But you can see people lose, lose sight of that. And they think it's, it's the job is happening, you know, for them and they're, you know, everyone works for them. And it's like, no, 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 no. It, 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 it's, it's the other way around. You work for everybody else here, Yep. but you're, you're getting your roles reversed, which is easy to do because they're not intimately involved in the work, Yep. which I get, but I think that's the fundamental problem is it's easy to lose. uh, It's easy to lose a sense of humility. I and for me personally, when I am dealing with subcontractors, I often maybe come across too humble. Because often I'll, I'll walk up to them and I, I'll I'll just be straight up. I'll be like, "Dude, I don't know what you got going on, hundred percent. Like this is your field. You tell me what's the best solution for the situation. Mm-hmm. Truly, like tell me what you want to do in a way, and we'll see if that works with the engineers. Yeah, you know, I I want those guys to tell me how they want to do their job." What's going to be the best route? I mean, it's going to help schedule. It's going to help all of that stuff. Hopefully money, you know, and, and to be able to take that and be working as a team, then to the engineer and say, hey, is this, is this cool with you? Most of the time they're going to say yes, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I like having that approach as much as possible. And maybe it's a bad approach. Maybe I'm giving too much leniency to my subs. But I mean, again, at the end of the day, you're all a team. You're working toward the same project. And yeah. I, I hate when you start button heads and it, it's just like, Again, we're on the same team. We're all trying to make money at the end of the day. Let's try to get it done in a timely fashion, you know, make money Mm-mm. and and do it together. Yeah, build a good job. 100%. Yeah, you can, I've learned leadership. I mean, going back to Jocko, dichotomy of leadership. You yep. can, humility is key, but you can be too humble. 100%. Which uh, I'm not naturally confident, so I definitely err I get closer to that side. I get that. Than the, the, arrogant ego for sure very confident side of things um and it can it can bite you in the ass a little bit too so yep. it's like somewhere in the middle where you gotta you, you gotta get the fucking job done and yep. sometimes you need to let people know hey this is not cutting it yep um but then yeah there's that other side where all right what do you guys think because yeah i don't know how to yeah i don't know how to stamp this concrete you sure. so you tell me yeah and they're like oh, oh yeah yeah so this is what i would do perfect great 100%. they're bought in yep well, and that's the thing. You get the buy-in. And it's funny because not even realizing you're doing that, you get the buy-in from them. Mm-hmm. That's like the main thing. Like they told you what they want to do. Now they got to go do it. Exactly. You know? So, I mean, I, I think it's a good approach. Um, I don't know. Still trying to figure it out. So I'm still young. Yeah. Uh, how many people? How many people are at the company now? So we've been able to grow to three office people. So myself, owner. And then um, Becky, she's an uh, executive assistant, um, all around kind of jack of all trades as well. She can do mm-hmm. some project engineering, assistant project manager type yeah. of tasks. 
um, accounting and stuff, and submittals, all that, yeah. all, all that stuff. So um, I, I'm leading the submittal train for sure for like the major um, shop drawings for like the steel and all that type of stuff. But yeah, she'll she'll go through and push um, some of the product data stuff through and things of that nature. Um, but then we've got four superintendents. Oh, wow. So yeah, we're we're... We're we're trying to get after it as much as possible. Um, so let me double check. Maybe it's just three superintendents right now. Yeah, just three. So, but we're still doing well. So, yeah. um, we're, like I said, we're trying to bid everything. Um, trying to figure out how to grow too. Um, it's it's tough because like you want to keep going after everything as much as possible, but then it's so hard to hire the right people when mm-hmm. you're such a young company too, because like. I'm going to just kind of go on a tangent here. Go, so I, I'm big on um, Andy Frisella, um, Sal Frisella. I was his, just listening to Andy his, this morning. Oh, my yeah. God. His podcast. I Big follower. I've, I've listened to him since I was riding the lawnmower, doing maintenance and stuff for a local county park. Yeah. So. He's been at it since 2015, I think. I, I listened to his first. Uh, I've been yeah avid follower for a long time. So And then um, since Sal's been on podcasts, I mean, his podcast with you, hands down my favorite, like, all around podcast. Like I'll, I'll listen to it multiple times. Yeah. I love his approach on leadership, sales, all that stuff. So, um, I listening to all of these guys, all of these basically mentors in a way. I mean, they truly are. I mean, if you need mentors, go listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. I mean, you listen to hundreds of hours of these types of guys, your mindset's going to change hundred yeah. percent. So, um, I listen to those guys and the way Andy discusses culture and stuff, um, within the company. I don't know if I have a great grasp on it yet, but I'm trying to. And so I'm almost way pickier than my boss when it comes to the people that we hire. Um, just because I, I understand it can destroy a company um, internally if you get the wrong people. Mm-hmm. And since we're so young, um, again, I'm so picky on who we almost let in the door. Because I, I, I get somewhat of a say since I was his right-hand man um, from the very beginning. And again, I, I kind of understand um, from a very simple aspect of, I guess, of the culture of things and where we're trying to go as a company, um, I, that it's tough to hire and figure out who to hire next, just because it's so competitive. Mm -hmm. Um, and like I was telling you in the emails and stuff, I, I think I've found a solution for that potentially, um, starting with younger people's. What's the solution? So I got a few solutions. Um, one, I've got two. So one is going to be really controversial. Um, I, I don't know how big of a college type of guy you are. Um, I mean, I went to college, so I, I can't be like, too. it's the stupidest thing ever. Agreed. Never go. Agreed. Because yep. that, that doesn't, that doesn't work. But 100%. I'm also like, you go to college. Fuck. I, I don't care. And yeah. then go to construction. Yep. Don't go to college and then go to construction. Like it yep. doesn't actually impact whether you can or can't go into construction. hundred percent. Um, but my solution, though, is for the college aspect, it needs to be geared more toward industry. Like, from my experience at college, um, I had a bad experience with my, um, my major classes um, in my program in construction management. That's what my major was. Yeah. Um, I had a really bad... I, I'm a no-bullshit kind of guy. Like, just give it to me straight and tell me exactly why you're learning this and how this will apply to what I'm going to be doing and the mm-hmm. skills I will develop from this. I couldn't get that from my major classes. So um, 
that really frustrated me. And uh, I, I had two internships during college with a um, Quad City general contractor where I, I learned so much. If I didn't have that, I genuinely wouldn't have left college with any skills, mm-hmm. which is frustrating to me. You're spending tens of thousands of dollars to get a college degree. I genuinely believe you should come out with really solid skills. Yeah. Everything I learned, learned in college was from either being a rock climbing guide for the university and the leadership that I developed from that um, and the people skills and just being able to talk to people in kind of sketchy situations and stuff Mm -hmm. and or from my internships over the summertime. Um, If I didn't have those things, I would not have left college with very good skills. Sure. Um, So I kind of have a a bad outlook on college right now. I Again, I think it can be very, very helpful if – you are getting skills from those programs. So I, I think a lot of those programs need some restructuring to be more based on industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the industry needs to pay for it. They, yes. ca- they cater to whoever pays for it. And it's I have a, a business. I have a solution for that. And what is that? So this kind of, was it, uh, I think the, the GC, was it Paul you said they had on? Yeah. Um, I think they were taking this approach too. So I'm trying to get involved with our local high school. Um, from so from a really young asper, young age um of getting them an understanding and this is going to be geared more toward the commercial general contracting um situation just cuz that's that's what I'm in yeah so i want to potentially set up an apprenticeship program for construction management whether it be you go the superintendent pathway awesome or you want to go the um project management estimating pathway mm-hmm. awesome We'll structure it accordingly. Um, we'll give you some more field experience um, if you're trying to go superintendent, more hands-on type of situations, um, if that's what you want to go. And then more, obviously, just a lot of office type of stuff if it's the project management pathway. But I want to be able to set up an apprenticeship for either people that are graduating high school or give them internships while they're still in high school over the summer. Um, and then once they graduate high school, straight into the apprenticeship of you're going to be taking certain college classes at a community college, whether it be um, really in-depth Excel type of work and stuff like that. I mean, it's just a good skill to have. Mm -hmm. Um, Just maybe some general business type of classes or things like that, just to kind of understand and get a feel for um, some accounting and things of that nature or just um, business admin. I, I don't know. Just some types of, of classes that we look into the curriculum and say, yes, we want you to do this and we pay for it. We get your buy-in. Um, just like kind of the, the trades, um, when they do an apprenticeship, they have classroom time. So same situation, except it's a college setting. We're basically going to pay you for um, a college associate's degree um, based on the classes that we want you to take while you're also working for us. After those two years, you get your, um, your associate's degree. Um, hopefully. Um, the community college we have in Quad Cities is going to be doing a construction management type of situation as so well. it'll be a legitimate as- associate's degree. Yes, legitimate associate's degree. So you have some type of paper. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we want that for sure. And yeah. then after that, two more years of working. So it's just like an apprenticeship. And then after those two years, you're a full-fledged project engineer. And you're mm-hmm. coming out at 22, no college debt, making sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000. Why is this controversial? I think a lot of people have the the stigma of the college degree. You need that to be successful still. And I, I personally, I think we're starting to get away from that. 
I hope we are, because look at the the student debt crisis we have right now. I mm-hmm. mean, so many people are just going to college just to go to college, not understanding the uh, the implications of the debt you're you're taking on, and it, it sucks yeah. because I, I I have a good amount of debt, you know. Um, I'm not going to complain about it. I'm not going to say I shouldn't have gone to college because it's it's what allowed me to be in the position I'm in. All of the events that I I had leading up to this point allowed me to be in the situation that I'm in. So the, I get it. The um, there's there's it's it's a lot here. Uh, college I think is a a great thing mm-hmm. if you do it right. Yep. There's a right way and a wrong way, and I would actually I would argue that. The public is starting to get quite wise to the fact that mm, college really isn't all that valuable anymore. They've kind of overplayed their hand. Yep. Yet the societal pressure is still very much a real thing. That's a great way to describe it. Yep. But but the pressure that you feel doesn't match up with, I think, what people believe nowadays. Yep. Which is good and, and bad. There's obviously disconnect there. Yep. But people really, and I think COVID really kind of unmasked the higher education system Yep. to say, this is not nearly what you guys are saying it is. No. Not even no. close to it. But but I was always like, college was fucking dumb. I, I've never once had to prove that I have a college education. Yep. I've never, ever had to prove that I actually have a college degree, yep. which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, however... There were a lot of great things I learned in college. I learned how to socialize. It is like the greatest social experiment you could ever wish for. I agree. In a very uh, malleable part of your your time as a human being. I think it comes at a good time. I think having an 18-year-old to choose their career is is absolutely insane. Yep. So I think it provides you a buffer between you're a child to you're going into the real world to just explore, experiment, feel things out, figure out who the hell you are mm-hmm. if you do it the right way. Correct. Um, so I think it's it's an amazing social experiment. Uh, engineering school taught me how to fail. Sure. And fail and fail and fail and fail and just keep coming back for more, come back for more, come mm-hmm. back for more. It opens up opportunities for internships that you wouldn't normally have because sure. the companies aren't granting those internships to people outside of college, sure. which is interesting. Yep. Um, so it's kind of, uh, you need to be in college to get the experience, but then yep. the experience is really what's making college valuable. It's kind of a funny way how it plays out. Yep. And then I went to, I went to Arizona State. It was $10,000 a year, 5000 a semester. And they gave me, and I was a shitty student in, in high school, they gave me $8,500 a year. So I had to come out of pocket $1,500 a year, sure. not including living, but I worked all the way through college. So mm-hmm. paid for living, but tuition $1,500. So I, I mean, and then I got scholarships. So I might've, I might've paid like a grand for an engineering degree. So you did college, right? You can do it right. Yep. You can, you can play the, the system and I get it. I'm a upper class white male. So maybe that had something to do with its scholarship. I, I don't know. I don't know how the hell that's awarded. Sure. Um, but yeah, just went to state school, no nonsense, worked all the way through it, no debt, nothing to worry about, got an engineering degree. Would I do it again? No, absolutely <laughs> not. W- once was enough. Yep. There's no way in hell I would do it again. Yep. But I got out of college like, okay, I kind of know who the hell I am. Or at least I have like yep. an idea of what direction I need to go in life now. I have a ton of great life experience. 
I made just amazing friends and relationships. Like I don't talk to really anybody from high school, but college, those those people will be at my wedding. Sure. Um, and now I can go into the real world. Yep. So by dumb luck, I did it right. Sure. Which is why I, I can't just say college, stupid, don't do it. Yep. Waste of time and money. Yep. Because I think that talking point is not completely accurate either. And I, I, I agree with that 100%. I hope I'm not backtracking. I, I don't specifically remember if I said don't go to college. I'm not you, saying you that You did. Word for word say college is the stupidest thing in American <laughs> culture today. No, no, no. I, I get it. So, no, I, I, I think like I, I was basically trying to say is I think college needs to be restructured from, again, yeah. from an industry standpoint, because I think what's education nowadays is just so much BS within it. Um, like I was saying, if you're paying so much money for this college degree, I really think you should come out with some solid skills mm-hmm. associated with it. And I get what you're saying, like it, with the social experiment and all that stuff, you are making all these connections and stuff like that. Um, if you use it awesome. as such. Yes, like, and you should. You, you could you just should. fuck off for four years, you which could. a lot of people do. Yep. But I think that's a parenting problem because yep. I think those are kids that haven't been allowed to make decisions for yep. their whole life. Their parents have been making every decision for them. So they, the training wheels come off and they don't even know what to do. Yep. Like they just, it's just a, they, they, it's amazing watching these kids completely self-destruct because they've never had to face reality for themselves. 100%. But if you're parented right, you're thrown into that big pond, it should go okay. Hopefully, hopefully yeah. you can, you can come out with some skills and, and honestly, some of my, my favorite classes that I took were, um, my first couple of years, um, that taught me more about the world than, uh, than anything else was international relations in this middle Eastern class that I took mm. these two amazing classes that allowed me to see things in the news that Again, I don't know anything, but it allows me to see it a, a headline and say there's more to that than just that headline mm-hmm. that people aren't going to understand just yeah. because it is so complex. Yeah. And it was such an interesting class, though. And uh, that helped me out so much just from um, being able to to look into things and get do research and, and things of that nature. So that was a really that was an awesome class. Otherwise, um, again, for my major at the time, it was it was frustrating because it, it was just a lot of tenured professors. Um, just kind of ready to go. Um, the yeah. curriculum wasn't there at the time either. So um, I, I'm really optimistic that they can change that. They, they're they building uh, a new facility within that uh, uh, that college that should really bump up the, the program. So I, I'm optimistic from that standpoint. But kind of back to what I was saying with my solution to um, combating the labor shortage is is doing it through those apprenticeships and things of that nature. Well, and even in even simpler terms, to combat the labor problem, you guys have to do it yourself. Yes, correct. <laughs> correct. <laughs> you're yes. all you're saying is we need to go create the workforce we need. Yes. Because no one's doing it for us. Correct. 100%. That is in very simple terms exactly what I envision to do. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which I think is uh I think is the future. I hope so. The future, the future is not in the software and the fucking GPS and the all the stuff people talk about. Yeah, mm-hmm. those are all tools, but the future is in human beings. If you can figure out the human being equation, if you can figure out how to go create your own workforce, you'll never be limited. No, you'll you'll you. Everybody is limited right now by human beings, and yep. that's not going away. It's yep. only getting worse, no matter what the economy does short term. If you can crack that code, 
then you 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 don't there's there's not a limiter on what you can and can't do at that point. Mm-hmm. No, I agree 100%. And and kind of back to to what I was saying with the culture situation. I mean, it allows you to develop young peoples into hopefully just stone cold killers based on whatever your company culture is to just go get the job done mm-hmm. and do it in the manner that is um aligns I guess with your company culture, you know. Yeah. And that's kind of the way to hire on good people. I mean, obviously you got to vet the young people and still make sure like, okay, are you going to be a good candidate? Do you work hard? I mean, that's just the baseline. I mean, when they're that young, um, hard work is likely going to be just the the first thing you're looking for because they have no job experience. Correct. So we, we've, we're kind of experimenting. We've got an intern right now who's um, going to be a senior in high school and he's a crazy hard worker. And that's what I, I was thankful the the teacher at uh, the high school. He was like, you want to go with this guy. Trust me. Um, you figuring this out and stuff. You want a good candidate. This is your man. And so we hired him on and he's just kicking butt, you know, in the field, um, just understanding blueprints and stuff. He's never even looked at drawings before. And he just is able to go through them just like crazy and stuff. So I think you got to you got to find those hard workers, obviously, first and then be able to develop them from there. Because they're so impressionable. You can you can basically get them to whatever you need them to be um, by the time they're 22, you know. The funny thing is everybody says that, but very few people actually take action to mm-hmm. go hire those younger people and mm-hmm. invest in them because it's not, it doesn't solve their problem today. No, it's hard. It's it's hard. It, 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 it And it requires, you have to trust that individual and, and yes. you might get screwed. And mm-hmm. You have to do things you haven't done before and spend yep. a lot more money on this individual than you've ever had to spend on a person before. For sure. But that like that also creates the the special uh I don't know what it is, but the 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 special end result that yeah. you've never seen before at the yeah. same time. And it, and from from a, a just looking on the outside looking in, um I think it appears so back to Andy Frisella. It appears first form does that really, really well. They yeah. get young people in and develop them exactly how they want, mm-hmm. you know, and like they set like a standard of like, this is the type of person you're going to be or you're not going to work here. Again, outside looking in, that's kind of what it appears to be. And so, like, to be able to set those standards though at, at a really young age and be like, okay, this is what they're looking for, I'm going to have to meet that. And you don't waver from those standards, I think, is is really important. So you got to sit down as a company and figure out what those standards are, like within from a core value standpoint, I think. You have to define the values. Yeah. 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 When you yeah. say standards, everybody, they they get frustrated because the people they hire aren't really to their standard, but they haven't mm-hmm. defined what the hell their standards are. So mm-hmm. if you haven't defined it, you can't go create a process to hire for it. No. And then- now you just have kind of a, a a mushy blob that you end up with at the end of the day. Sure. The the thing with hard work, I think everybody thinks it's it's just this attribute. You're either born a hard worker or you're not. No. I I don't believe that's true. I think it's I think it's learned. I think it's a skill. Mm-hmm. Hard work, discipline, those are all skills. Mm-hmm. It's not that like you suck today and you're going to suck forever. You can suck today, you can learn how to become a really really hard worker. Yep. I had to learn how to be a hard worker. When I went to Montana, I got my ass beat for the first time, but I was in high school. Mm-hmm. I had never really worked hard before. Sure. I didn't have to work hard. Sure. I grew up in a nice place with nice people that they worked really, really hard decades before I was ever alive. And yeah. I was just seeing the result of their hard work, yeah. thinking that was reality. 
But that just wasn't the case. They put in all that time and effort up front that I never saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned it, and then I was put on a path to, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, this is great. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of kids, they just haven't learned how to work hard yet. Mm-hmm. And I think companies would do them themselves a, 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 a better service if they just said, hey, let's, let's define our values. Let's hire people for our values. And even something like working hard, we can teach that. Sure. And if, like you said, you know, you're really picky about the people you bring on. Mm-hmm. It's okay to make mistakes too. You're guaranteed to make mistakes, people sure. mistakes. I've tried to make as few as possible, but then I've learned if you're not making any people mistakes, that's a failure because you're that you can't you can't find your limits you can't yeah. you can't find what's wrong in the system if there's no mistakes it doesn't work that way yeah um so when you were first starting were you a big micromanager i've i i i'll have a f- few i mean depends who you ask at the company there'll be a few things that i'll quote unquote be more involved in or mm-hmm. micromanage but i don't i don't really micromanage cuz i don't my age has been my greatest asset there because I don't know how to do it. Like I can't micromanage yeah. Harrison because I don't know enough about what he does to yeah to look over his shoulder all the time and inform how he does his job. Yeah, I can look at the podcast. Like this morning, I was looking at something and I emailed Alex. I'm like, "Hey, dude, this is trending in the wrong direction here. We need to we need to work on this." Mm-hmm. That's how I that's how I can inform it from a big picture standpoint. But sure. from an execution standpoint, I just don't know enough, so I can't micromanage. So how do you know you guys are getting the results that you want from, I guess, from like a business owner standpoint? How does Aaron know that you, your guys are are kicking butt and doing exactly what they need to know or do? I mean, even though you don't necessarily know their job through and through. Since we're in an investment, you have to know enough. Yeah. Since we're in an investment standpoint, uh, now we're turning to uh, really look at money. So yeah. it's going to start start to show up in the dollars. So right. more revenue. Yeah. Okay. We're heading in the right direction. 100%. It, it is correlated. Yep. Um, a lot of it's anecdotal right now. A lot sure. of it's been anecdotal. Mm-hmm. So it's been largely anecdotal up to this point. Now we're switching so that it's going to start to show up in the numbers. Yeah. So if we're doing what's right, it's 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 kind of like we've been investing for years now. Yeah. And now we're finally flipping the switch. So let's see what this thing can do. Let's see what we really can go create here with the foundation we've set. That's awesome. But it's a lot of, I don't know, it's a hard question to answer because it's a lot of just believing you're doing the right thing without necessarily seeing the results. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think more often than not, just the belief itself, um, it's hard to to follow that, but you have to buy into it so hard because often it's going to take way longer than you want it to with the, with the belief and stuff. So, yeah. um, you might not see the results right away, but you, like you said, you got to believe in it. Otherwise you might not ever see that it, it does happen. Easy. So I think going back to, to you, you do have to lean on your culture. Yeah. I've spent so much of my time and energy developing the culture, developing the culture, developing the culture that the culture and the people somewhat hold the standard. I shouldn't yeah. need to be the one. No, you should not. I shouldn't no. be the one holding the standard no. all the time. No. I need I need to hold the standard myself and set a good example, but I shouldn't need to worry about if he's doing his job right because yep. I know he works with Alex and yep. I trust Alex. He's good enough. And not that Alex needs to be babysitting him, but they'll work together. And yep. ideally, hey, if someone's not being a 3X person, one of sure. our values develop 3X people, they, hey, you're, you're, 
this is a little off. We need to go correct it yeah. without me having to get involved. Yeah. But again, I'm 27 years old. Yeah. I haven't figured this shit out. <laughs> I, I, I totally get it. Um, how do you, how do you deal with that in the construction industry, your age? Cause I, I constantly battle with that all the time too. Of if you don't have gray hair on your face or in your hair, I mean, people look at you and you're like, you're a kid, you know? And, uh, one, I've I think treated, it's always going to be a battle though. Yeah. But, but it's, it's only a battle if you make it a battle. For sure. For I've sure. treated it just as no factor. Yeah. Like I've just removed it from the equation. Yep. I don't even think about it. It's not relevant. Yep. Doesn't even cross my mind. Yep. So if you get it to that point, yeah, you can you can start doing doing pretty good things. Don't take it personally, all of that. Like you check your ego there, yep. you're going to be way better off. Two, yep. you just go do shit because people believe what they can see. So you don't have to rely on, well, listen to me, you know, trust me. No, I've just, you can just say, well, I've done all this. Yep. doesn't matter how fucking, how old I am. Okay, great, I'm 27, but I've done this. Like then you just create that belief regardless of your age. Yep. And then three, there will be those rooms or situations where, no matter how much you've done, who you are, you're a kid, they don't they don't care what you have to say. Yep. Then that's a great opportunity to again check your ego and rely on somebody yep. who's older, yep. who does have the experience, who does speak the language of that person mm-hmm. to go handle whatever needs to be handled. Sure. I, I, I agree with all that hundred percent. And that's that's kind of that's the exact approach I have. I, I just I was asking the question more from a um just your thought process. Um because I, I I don't ever think about the age thing either. Um, Because if so many people get caught up on all of these um, just lack of confidence type of things, it's just an excuse toward your your lack of confidence, in my opinion, um, to kind of use as a crutch of they're just dismissing me because of my age. No, you just got to figure it out. Yeah, and it's your your, your ego getting hurt. But but again, my age is an asset and, and largely just from like a... I feel like we have the reach we do because I'm just saying, saying things in a, at a, just a different energy level. Sure. I'm, I'm looking at it like, Hey guys, I have this dumpster fire right now mm-hmm. for the next 30 to 40 years. Mm-hmm. You have it for the next three years and you've already made all your money. Yep. So I look at it from a different perspective. Sure. I look at it. I, I need to be urgent. We need to get after it here because this is going in a direction that's not sustainable and yep. we need to we need to right the ship. We need to go in a different direction. Great. We've we've been really successful going in this direction, but if we keep going there, there's a fucking iceberg right in front of us. I it, it's right there. We need to shift in not a tr- we don't need to go back. We don't need to shift 180 degrees. We're doing a lot of great things. Yep. We need to just we need to aim a little bit differently here. Sure. Then maybe just try something a little bit different or else we hit the iceberg, but hitting the iceberg is not an option. Mm-hmm. We can't just say, well, sorry, guys. We, Hey, if you could just not shower like indefinitely or just like can't flush your toilet anymore. We couldn't figure out the wastewater thing. Yep. What? I mean, you're limiting yourself so much. It doesn't work. No. So I just, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, I've just come at it from a different perspective now, which wouldn't be the case if I didn't have th- the youth I have. Sure. And I have the energy and everything like that. So I can go travel like a madman. I can go. Probably like you, just work all the time. Yep. Work and work, work out, and then fiance and stuff, you know? Yeah. Those are those are the the main things right now. And um, after seeing my buddies um, for the bachelor party this last weekend and stuff, it's like, man, maybe I do need to see some of those friends a little bit, a little bit more often. You don't realize how, how much of a recharger just being around your people, 
you know, can mm-hmm. be like your, your inner circle, like texting and stuff. It can be great just to say, Hey, I hope you have a great week and everything, but man, to really see him in person and have a good time really recharges you. So this weekend was awesome. Sorry. Definitely. Just to, just to go off on, on the side a little bit. Oh, so. it's, it's good to have those yeah. experiences beyond just the work. Oh yeah. Yeah. But then at the same time, you have to be careful with where you get your, I was listening to Andy Frisella talk about this this morning. He's like, all these people are like rest and relaxation and spa mm-hmm. day and this and that. He's like, I haven't seen one person that's actually built anything that says that. Yep. And you kind of sit there and you think like, that's pretty, pretty shit. accurate. Yeah, he is. He is right. For sure. And I've learned you just have to be really careful with who you take advice from. Even people that care about you and love you deeply, you do have to sit there like, do I want what they have? For sure. Well, and with our age, it's one of those things that you, you've got to, you're trying to figure out because Andy, he often says burnout is like just BS basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, there's some truth to it, you know, of maybe I do just need to push through this and see what comes out on the other end because, but then also with that, communicate to those around you how you're feeling and let them know this is where I'm at in my headspace. I need your help, you know, yeah. um, from a team aspect. Cause I, I had that conversation with my boss at one point, honestly, of like, dude, I'm struggling. And he took on some of my workload, you know, from, from him working a couple more hours and stuff. And it, it was, it was probably the coolest thing to see that made me respect him as, as a leader within the company and the owner of me communicating to him, like, I need some help. Um, and he came back and it, it, it helped me get through it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's where as a team, you got to lean on one another if, but you have to communicate too. You can't just be, you're getting sure. burnt, quote, burnt out and you just quit. You got to, you got to communicate to those around you so you can hopefully get through it, you know? And, and, and somebody, when he says like, there's no such thing as burnout, it like, you do have to take everything. Everything is nuanced. Yep. It's not as simple as that. Yep. It, it, he really means every day you just have to, you just have to keep the progress, just yep. forward motion, forward motion, forward motion. And some days you might be really sending it. Other days it might be a struggle to take one fucking step. But as yep. long as you just take that one step, as long as you just maintain that forward momentum, like that's all that, that's all that matters, yep. especially when you don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I think, yeah, you, you just have to, everything's a little nuanced and people take this stuff so, yep. so literally, and then it, yep. they get all wound up about it. It's like, yep. no, 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 chill, yep. chill, yep. chill, chill. For sure. Maybe go take a spot. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> um, uh, uh, what's the what's the company called? Bruce Builders. Bruce Builders. Again. Yep. So the the full name is Bill Bruce Builders. Bruce Builders was actually super, taken super uh, yeah confusing yeah super um, confusing. So the actual incorporation is Bill Bruce Builders. Bruce Builders was already taken. We call it Bruce Builders though. <laughs> oh okay. So good. yeah. Um, how do people do you have social media or anything like that? I I've got uh, Instagram. It's more just personal account where I just share. Does, my, the, co- does the company have social media? That's one of the things that we haven't gotten into yet. Actually, I, I'm the type, and tell me if you think this is right or wrong. I'm the type of guy, I believe if when you dig into it, you should just go all into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not to that point quite yet. Um, Why not? I don't know. Um, I, I haven't led the charge where I need to personally. I'll take, I'll take accountability for that. My, the owner, he, he's a little, um, just out of the loop in social media. I can see the, the value in it for sure. Um, and, and that's, that's where I need to, to jump on it. Um, 
just haven't yet. If you guys want to want to develop your business, I'm telling you, social media. You're just you're leaving a lot on the table if you're not there for sure. And for sure. and and especially as a small business, there's so much to talk about for sure. New projects, what you guys are learning. Yep. I mean, highlight subcontractors, build relationships. It's just like there's so much there that you can do that your competitors aren't. For sure. Especially as a startup. I mean, how often do yeah, you see a startup going from zero to however long and document that? It's yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah, you're it's just cool. documenting what you're doing every day. And it's not perfect. It's not glamorous. Some days, something like nothing might happen. Sure. But people like to see, holy shit, they're building a, they're building a construction company. For sure. From nothing. This is... This is compelling. For I'm, sure. I'd happily follow on. We do have uh um we have a little bit of presence on Facebook, so you can follow Bruce Builders out of uh Eldridge, Iowa is the the small town that we operate out of. Oh. All right. Yeah. Well, um thanks for coming by after your uh bachelor party in Nashville. Absolutely. It was it was a great time. I'm sure it was. Beautiful city. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you <laughs> probably saw so much of it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um well, thanks for coming in. Absolutely. And, uh, I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, I guess we'll see everybody on the next one.